0: The whole wrestling the... version of Kokai comes out in order to provide you all the straight and the color that you oh. need in order to
1: keep
0: the cameras rolling and people watching.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Girl on the Fishes podcast. I uh, screwed up. I don't have the, uh, the intro this week. Uh, it's been a hell of a day. My gas heater broke. My car broke. We're late. We barely made it on tonight. But well, we made it, guys. We're here for you. So
2: we're here. Thanks for coming on. And we have joints. So it's
1: fun. Yeah. So Marty's here with us today with uh, some special guests.
2: Yep. Ho oh, <laughs> Tucker. <top> <laughs> this is my friend Kokai.
0: E. And I'm into something called pro wrestling, so every now and then you're going to hear a couple of catchphrases, as well as a few references to some obscure 1950s, 1960s, and 1970 matches. Excellent. Wow, dude, you have incredible lung capacity. What are
2: you smoking there, Steve? And guests, mystery guests.
0: Wow, I love it. Look at that. When you help a, lot,
1: help a lot of growers. <laughs> they give you a bag of weed you know, uh, to tell you if they did a good job or not. So that's what that is. I don't remember. I got to go back and look at the label. <coughs> How are you guys doing tonight? What's new uh what's new in the grow over there? I saw you're posting some cool pictures of your tomato plants getting restarted oh, yeah. over there. What's going on?
2: Oh yeah. Well the, the tomatoes are out of control, basically. They're growing down the aisles at this point. <laughs> um so they're already over the top of the tree. There's only two uh, two tomato plants, and they're obviously not, you know, they're obviously indeterminate tomatoes because they're just continuing to grow. <laughs> and I uh, started to uh, pollinate, get tomatoes off of them, which is great. So um, that's the only downside to growing tomatoes inside is you have to hand pollinate them. But I did order some uh, uh, some pirate bugs, which will give us a little traffic and hopefully get some just passive pollination, <clears throat> try to get a few more
1: tomatoes out of it. The aureus are great. Uh... For those of you who don't know, minute pirate bugs are uh, also called aureus, is the genus. Um, there's many different genuses, depending on where you are. You, I know they, they grow different ones in Europe and Africa than they do in, in North America, uh, but uh, aureus are great. They're one of the best general um, insect predators, similar to like um, um, lacewings, except they'll eat things that are much larger than lacewings. Um, they can kill stuff that's you know, 80, 100 times their size. Um, They're also poisonous, Um, you know, they can bite, Um, they can also bite you, they'll leave pretty good welts uh, if they bite you, um, worse than your average uh, mosquito.
2: They're Big enough to avoid though, I feel like they're large enough, you know, know, it's not like you'll accidentally, like I've released them and had them around plenty of times and haven't, uh, I don't think I've ever been stung, or bit, or whatever you call it.
1: Yeah, I've I've had them. I've never had issues working with the grow. I've had been bitten releasing them, doing large releases, and I've been bitten uh, doing bucking and harvesting where I'm really harassing the shit out of the plants. And I've been bitten a little bit doing cloning. But even during cloning, you know, you're kind of moving the plants around a little bit, and they they don't really like movement and all that, so they'll kind of run away. Um, you know they're kind of more fright averse, similar to like wheel bugs. If anyone's ever encountered uh, wheel bugs in the south. Uh, dudes look like they have a a spiky mohawk um again a really wonderful garden predator but very um skittish you know won't not very aggressive towards humans but if you pick them up you're gonna regret it um so yeah
2: Yeah, which makes sense
1: (laughs) wow the other nice thing is uh they live a long time compared to a lot of other insects they live almost two to three times longer than a lot of the other beneficials
2: right because they feed in their adult form it's kind (laughs) of like green lacing which will you know, their adult form doesn't uh, isn't predatory. It's just their larvae. So they spend a much shorter time feeding overall than an aureus, which won't consume as many per day. But because it's active for so long as an adult, it'll consume more over its whole lifespan. Are y'all
1: talking about what? <laughs> I feel like we have uh, what's the guy from Chappelle show? that also is bald and has a very similar voice to you. Uh, I can't remember his he was just Paul on uh, he was just Paul on uh, Rogan a couple weeks ago. Like Paul not Moody. even long ago. What's Paul that? Paul Mooney. No, 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 no. Hold on. Who's the other guy? Paul Mooney wrote for a Chappelle show. Uh, Paul uh, Mooney uh, did write for him, but he wasn't on his show recently. It was Donald Rawlings. Oh, okay. Donnell cool. Rawlings. You remind me of Donnell Rawlings. That's who it is. Thank you. you sound like him. You sound a lot like him. So, if you have much nicer facial about- hair? Right, facial yeah, hair yeah, your yeah, facial hair, your
2: facial hair is far we're more impressive. More. We're talking about bugs that eat other bugs. Okay, yes. so-, so, so, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, forgive me for asking. Mm-hmm. Jerry. so
0: because we're talking <coughs> about plants and you guys are indoor, why are we talking about
2: bugs? So, oh, because there is. A huge (laughs) growing indoors because there's no predators. So once one gets in, the population will just explode because there's in year round, it's the perfect temperature for them. So they have the food and everything they need and nothing to eat them. So any of your common garden pests that will just come in, like on your clothes or on your pet or anywhere else, will they'll explode in population really quick. Wow.
0: So I know history. And that sounds like squirrels mm-hmm. in North America. And then you're going to grow something called corn, which they love. <laughs> and then they come afar because you cut down the forest and there's no owls, no birds, nothing to eat the squirrels. So what you just tell me was you created an ideal situation indoor For... and the perfect food. For these bugs to... right. so, And then you got to deal with maintaining them by coming up with the balance of
2: another bug predator? Yes. so we, we release predators indoors that will eat anything that's in there. And you do you almost every indoor grower has you know bug concerns at best. Usually you get some at some point. you can't grow indoors for very long and not encounter them, especially if you're bringing in plants from outside from other people's grows. Because <clears throat> these bugs are everywhere, like in your front yard, your house plants. You just don't care because it's your house plant. It's You're not smoking it or eating it.
0: Yeah. So for those who don't know who I am, um, I don't know
2: nothing.
0: <laughs> so this may be a one-on-one Well, you grew a
2: garden this year. No,
0: I did grow a garden this year, but this may be a one-on-one session for those who are long-term viewers (laughs) of this channel. I apologize in advance, but everything that I'm about to demonstrate over the next hour with my two friends is authentic. I don't know nothing. If I did know something, I wouldn't be smoking other people's weed. I'd be smoking my
2: weed. Am I right or am I wrong? True. I mean, you probably still smoke some of mine, but yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. yeah. Each other's weed. True, true right.
0: indeed, true indeed. Because the last stuff that you shared with me came with some stress. <laughs> yeah. It was
1: good. Everyone oh, needs cool. to have a uranium glass ashtray, by the way. Uranium. Yes, uranium, uranium glass. Old school. It's an old forties ashtray. Wow. Wow. That's um, cool. Anyways, uh so somebody asked in chat it says aren't wheel bugs also called assassin bugs or am i mistaken so wheel bugs and aureus are actually both types of assassin bugs so they're right. both in the assassin bug family um the assassin bugs actually covers a huge range of insects including on um, both uh, uh, bugs uh, that um, feed on insects as well as ones that feed on plant saps so you got to be careful when you're uh, You know, just because it looks like an assassin bug doesn't mean it's not a leaf foot bug or some other uh, insect in that family that might actually predate on your plant. So um, this is why it's important about IDing the the right insect. I know when Marty and I teach our IPM class, we have some side by side examples of, you know, some predatory thrips and non-predatory thrips and shield bugs versus and shield beetles versus uh, which are predatory versus uh, stink bugs and that aren't predatory and all that. So um, definitely something to... uh, uh, think about if you're if you're looking for further education uh, on that. But this is something that we you know we highly emphasize is that you really do need to know uh, ab- about your local insects in order to have a good um, experience growing because you might accidentally think you have a really bad infestation or think you have two or three insects attacking your plant when in fact only one of them is feeding on your plant actively. Um, so. Another great example of this would be if you have spider mites okay so say I I find spider mites, but I also find thrips in my in my grow well treat the spider mites first because The thrips um, depending on what pest control agent you're going to, you will also be affected by the same pest control agent, or in many cases, uh, in fact, most species of thrips that actually predate cannabis are omnivores. They're actually not herbivores. Um, so they'll actually predate actively on baby thrips, uh, uh, you know, other species, as well as mites. So they'll eat spider mites, they'll eat uh, russet mites. They'll, they'll again, they're not going to solve your problem. They're not a solution. But you know, treating the mites first and allowing them to help you eliminate them before you treat them as well, and maybe treat them a week later, or treat them not as aggressively, uh, you know, might be a good uh, a solution, depending on the level of infestation, what the stage of growth. Um, so, uh, you know, or again, like we we're talking about before, you know, just thrips, 34% of thrip species are actually predators, not plant predators. So, um, you know, just because you find an insect on your plant doesn't mean it's hurting your plant, you know, look for damage on the plant, look for egg laying on the plant, look for uh, webbing on the plant, you know, look for those types of things. Also, you know, there's other ones as well. Uh, Leafhoppers, for example, can spread viruses, um, you know, from other plants. You know, we're seeing that quite a bit in the West now with uh, mosaic viruses and leaf curl viruses coming in on multiple from multiple crops, cucumbers, nightshades, beets, all jumping to cannabis, you know, and, and, and it's because you're getting white fly and, and, and leaf hopper, which are at least suspected right now of uh, being the vectors. So uh, just because they're not even feeding on your plant doesn't mean they're not screwing your plants up. So it's you got to really be out in your garden, you know, every day, every other day, and taking samples, you know, regularly sampling leaves, scouting leaves, and, uh, you know, really trying to understand local ecology, as well as, you know, go around the property outside of your grow, and and understand what insects are outside. I know last year I was working on a grow, and we could could beat back our root aphids, and they disappear for a week or two, and then suddenly they would explode again, Uh, and we couldn't figure out where the hell they were coming from because we could exterminate them out of the building, but they would just reappear. And it wasn't in the moms, it, you know, we couldn't figure out where the hell was coming from. We would look the pond on the property had tons of lily aphids. And in fact, they weren't rice root aphids. They're actually water lily aphids. But, um, you know, but they look almost identical under a microscope, you know, without DNA testing, you can't really know. But um, so they were just coming back in, you know, from airborne through the ventilation or some other gap in the wall uh and, and, and reinfecting us that way at least that client so we ended up doing some uh, uh treating the, the the pond with some beneficial sprays and stuff like that uh, and putting some beneficial um uh, uh stuff out there and eliminating them outside and then we stopped having them we come back inside and then it, you know solved the problem so sometimes looking around even around the environment around your grow um, can also help uh eliminate some of these issues or at least reoccurring issues that you can't quite put your finger on i also had another grower uh, recently sent me uh, a highly experienced grower in aquaponic cannabis one of the people i trained early on um and uh, all of his water parameters were right all of his pest control all you know every environmental factor was was right it's a genetics they've been doing for a long time and here they had a a, a root issue with uh Uh, uh, someone introducing some issues with the roots uh, from a new soil mix they had so um, uh, you know just because they were out of it because of you know uh, the the virus causing so much issues with uh, transport these days uh, they had to switch temporarily to a different soil mix that happened to vector in something that they weren't expecting right so uh, but it was attacking the root system so this this is where you know knowing your plants knowing the timelines they should have and then knowing any yellowing or uh, uh, you know and all that stuff on the schedule also is super important but also why it's important just to be in your grow every day today you know and be able to make these types of observations so that when you do make a minor variable change you, you immediately can, can notice these things and it's something that I think a lot of people don't do in fact I've I've seen some, I know I've consulted on some girls recently where they went away for the holidays and came back and, you know, it was just an absolute shit show. And they had three males that had pollinated the whole room over Christmas. So you got to be careful.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's going to be better to have eyes on it more often than not. Um, And uh, I, I can't imagine like not being in my room at least every day i mean that just seems like uh that seems like not much work to me actually at
1: least at least some type of at least some type of remotely educated human right even if it's not you you know some worker on the sunday or something
2: yeah for sure
1: um you know like
2: uh just a relatively experienced set of eyes is really all you need because you know, or even a lot of times when I go in there, I'll be able to hear something isn't quite right, you know, like that a, a siphons taking too long to kick off, like it should have already ran, or, um, you know, you can hear uh, water flowing differently, uh, or maybe you've noticed the fish tank is lower or higher than it normally is, um, you know, just eyes that have been in there before and know what to expect.
1: And that's something I think that it often to me is one of the first things I notice when I walk into a grow is the smell and the sound. You know, especially if I'm used to the grow, I can immediately tell if there's mm. an air pump that's off, if there's a water pump that's off yeah. because you get used to the sound, you get used to the sounds on and the cycle of the sounds the same way you get used to nature. And then suddenly it's too quiet or it's too loud or something else. The same way you'd you know, notice a predator walking towards you in the forest or something like that. You know, it's the same kind of thing uh, you, you notice in the grow where you can walk in and, and immediately, uh, um, you know, tell something is wrong or, or even smells. I know when I used to work in the pet trade, uh, I could smell a single, you know, dead reptile over the entire smell of the whole store just because it was such a, you know, I just wasn't one of the usual cacophony of smells, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so we had a, a question in chat. It says biologic, uh, where is it? How's Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe project going? Um, Zimbabwe project oh. has been, uh, uh, on hold, um, especially right now. The, the country is currently, as of what, two days ago? <laughs> on full, yeah, two days <laughs> ago, full lockdown. You can't go more than five kilometers from your house unless it's for a real good reason. Um, so we we've I, I I left there in April. Um, we'll be back sometime this year. Fingers crossed. Uh, I got projects there: South Africa, Mauritius, Réunion. Uh, we're going to be going to some really cool places this year. If everything, uh, uh, works out with the travel stuff, uh, um, we have some projects coming up now, uh, later at the end of this month, they'll be out in Georgia. Uh, so working on a hemp grow, so that'll be fun. We'll be doing some video out there. Um, so excited about that. And then we have some, some other stuff, uh, uh, coming up, uh, again, it's going to just depend on travel restrictions and, uh, and all that jazz, but, um, uh, I'm kind of tired of uh, sitting in one place. I haven't sat in one place this long (laughs) in about four or five years, and it's weird.
2: (laughs) You were in like Southern Cali?
1: What's that? Colorado before that? Colorado
2: before you were in Southern Cali? Because you kind of bounced around Southern California for a little bit. I
1: was in SoCal. I was in NorCal. I was in uh so
2: probably colorado, colorado
1: we're really then, at. no tulsa and then now we're down down in southern oklahoma these days and then uh it's all mm-hmm. over again um and then we got a bunch of projects on the east coast i will be working on this year which would be kind of nice get a chance to see my family a little more a few more times this year than i normally do so that'll be dope right. and then uh yeah, just really kind of wondering when this international shit's going to be buddy up, um, you know, get back up to Canada. I got some two different people to work with up there once this virus shit is over with. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just I have a ton of work really just waiting on the ability to travel. Right. Um, so and then, yeah, just the, the industry is really growing right now. There's a lot of new aquaponic cannabis producers, a lot, a lot of larger producers. I know the certainly the scale, a lot of the people that are I've talked to in the last six months has been you know quite a big step up from, from the people I've spoken to previously, and uh, um, you know people's willingness to to invest in, in larger aquaponic cannabis uh, facilities has uh, definitely gone up uh, uh, considerably. So um, definitely uh, uh, an exciting year. And then uh, we have the the class we've been working on. Uh, I know we I've been working on um, drafting up some of the new content and and some new some additional handouts and stuff for that i working on a couple of new SketchUp diagrams to go with some of the existing content. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, I guess, the other stuff I've been up to. And then just uh, working on our drinks. We have the drink company we're working on out here uh, in Oklahoma. So we'll be uh, uh, talking about more of that one that's a little more evenly distributed across the, the, uh, the state of Oklahoma, um, which will be here in a few weeks. Awesome. Um, feel free to ask real questions in chat, guys but uh kind of a we yeah. had a, another guest originally planned for it tonight and then uh, we had a backup guest and then uh both, <laughs> both of them fell through the last, I I was about 5 minutes late and everyone fell through so we ended up uh kind of just rolling with it we said we are doing a show tonight so we we're just like screw it let's do it all right so we got another question uh, how do we Do we rely on wicking for both flour and veg and aquaponics or is there water frequency we follow or dry backs and flour that are recommended example holding back on first or last watering Um, okay so i guess first off um while you can do wicking bed flour for for aquaponic cannabis it is much harder Um, i have not been able to find the right soil mix that allows me to not have issues in uh, the last one to two weeks of flower. And that's been always the issue with wicking beds is that the last one to two weeks of flower, uh, I end up with drooping on the plant and some type of root issue because the plants just, you know, terminating the use of a lot the, the the very ends of its root system and the aquaponic system because it has all the types of microbes that like to break stuff down starts breaking it down. Um, so it ends up starting to, to affect the roots. So that's the problem. I've had the the couple of different times we've tried to do aquaponic um, wicking beds. i um, I've tried it a couple of different ways uh, and, and have just not had very good luck. Uh, but with the dual root zones, um, yes, we do use dual root zones for both. Uh, frequency of watering, definitely, uh, if you want to increase production and in flower, um, definitely can, um, uh, you know, help by, by allowing the plants to, if, if you have the ability to, with say, a loop siphon or a timer, absolutely, if you can dry the uh, increase the flood cycles uh, and make them longer uh, at the end of flower and dry the plants out a little bit they will do a little bit better uh, in terms of resin production but I mean it's kind of a minuscule thing and and when you're doing it at scale it's not really worth the, the hassle and you know it's, it, it's just not worth it but if you're going to min max it especially on a smaller grow uh, you know it, it definitely is uh, something that you can do. Hey Steve. Yep.
2: Can you real quick explain uh, to Kokai what a wicking bed is. Please
0: Because you just went detailed you guys went like two three deep you know inches deep like Ralph Nader and I'm like, okay, that was an inbound pass and I'm like what
1: <laughs> So a, a wicking bed is um, uh, having the plants just sit in kind of a wet soil with water that flows through the bottom. Um, and basically can constantly sip out. of. They're also called SIPs, if, if you're familiar with that, or sub-irrigated planter systems um, where the water is, is, comes up from the bottom and they're never really top-watered, maybe maybe the first time, and then that's about it, um, just to get the roots to penetrate down into that lower root zone. Uh, but once they find the moisture down there, then they're pretty good. The problem is, is that, again, you, it, unless it's got really good at gas exchange and air exchange, it's easy to, to get anaerobic and uh, get quite toxic down there yeah, uh, that makes sense. That's the a Staying lot in. of
2: sense. Soil stays wet all the time. Anyway. Right, 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 there's
1: so no, you, full drainage. So unless you're inoculating with the right microbes and you're doing everything right, then uh, uh, definitely is an issue.
2: Right. Can be done, just I think technically more work, in my opinion than what we're talking yeah. about, dual root zone. You yeah, do you, you want to
1: explain that? dual root zone? I, yeah. I got no. to step off for two seconds.
2: All right. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so dual root zone basically is um, instead of having the soil all the way down to the point where it touches the water and is constantly wicking water up, that's what they call it, a wicking bed.
0: Oh, okay, like a wick. Got you. Right. Now, wicking it's up like a wick. Right.
2: So it's wicking water up from the bottom with the soil itself. So in a dual root zone, we lift the soil up higher so that. Um, you know, we just use media like those clay pellets mm-hmm. that I have mm-hmm. or expanded clay or lava rock or all, you know, all those different ones um, or go in the bottom and in, in a separator, usually like burlap or I've been using, I've used straw or all, all kinds of different, experimenting with different stuff, chopped horsetail, fern, like just you just need the separator to keep the soil from soaking down into the media and wicking up. You want the soil to stay separate. So it doesn't constantly stay wet. It'll only be wet when you water it, when you want to water it. So it doesn't constantly stay wet and have that problem. And it allows you to put a higher concentration of nutrients inside the pot um, that won't get into the same water system as the fish. So the fish can't handle higher levels of potassium or phosphorus.
0: The leaching comes and out leach um, got, the water you, system. got you, got
2: you.
1: and actually there's a cool article that came out today hold on let me pull it up here actually do some screen share um
0: And then That's I, I uh, have a couple of questions about the Zimbabwe groves because I don't know anything and I'm kind of interested. Though.
1: Sure. This is courtesy of Luna. Hold on. I'll get it right. Anyways, Marty knows what I'm talking about. What's her last name? Anyway, Luna. Luna Whitcomb. All right. Thanks, Luna, for the awesome week. Yeah. Yes, she is awesome. Yes, uh, so. Okay,
2: I think we have this good now. Uh, she's the one that was uh, um, talking about treating powdery mildew with kombucha. Oh wow, yeah. that proves interpret-
1: so this is uh and and that's kombucha is lactobacillus, but it's also got a lot of sodium in it as well. So it's kind of acting in two different ways to kill the PM. But um basically this is a great article that was posted uh today that that she posted, but it's uh, by our friend uh, Kevin McKernan over at Medicinal Genomics. He's been on the show a few times. In fact, earlier last year he talked about uh, um, you know, assays for the virus on cannabis products. So um, but uh uh it's just a a thing about how they're looking at terpene expression and how different bacteria groups are directly responsible for terpene expression and synthase and without them present those terpenes are not found
2: right so So if the plant isn't exposed to that bacteria then it doesn't produce that terpene essentially correct? correct
1: absolutely and this just goes and backs up all of the stuff that marty and i have been saying for years About the importance of dual root zones and terrestrial microbiomes in the production of maximizing terpene production. You know, if you want to have the maximum production, you have to have the most biodiverse root system possible that's non pathogenic. And this just backs up all of that testing that we've done, but on a much more accurate, uh, detailed, and genetic level uh, involving the exact uh, terpene synthase. But we've been able to observe this in a much more Um, zoomed out way uh uh over over a long time
2: yeah that's a great article of course
1: definitely something to check out on medicinalgenomics.com slash microbes hyphen and hyphen terpenes
2: that's really cool yeah and we already know from some of the testing that other people have done um, you know, like the, the microbe testing they did when they were trying to prove that soil had a wider variety of uh, microbes and it came back like way the opposite. You know, the aquaponics had a, had a much larger diversity and population than traditional soil, even living soil. So um, diversity-wise, you have to include the water column to get that extra diversity. In my opinion,
1: sorry, I forgot we just sharing earlier. What do I know? <laughs> forgot we were sharing here. Uh, let me pull this back up. There we go. Close your porn, Steve.
0: Oh, I didn't have any porn. I just uh, <laughs> went, to check,
1: went to click over to check chat and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just I get that. Got my friends. Um, so, anyways, it was super, super interesting. And again, it's, it's they they talk about uh, you know the breakdown. Let me pull it up here. It's super cool on the breakdown of the different bacteria uh, uh, that were found, and then on the where is it? Uh, one of these. Yes, the exact terpene expression. Which is super super dope. And you can There's see the super total. expressed. huh? Well,
2: I'm just reading the side percentage of total floral terpene emissions, and then those are all the different terpenes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so novice question: Looking at what you guys just posted and and what you're talking about, my first question becomes: So What they are testing for is the ideal nutrient mix,
1: correct? No. Okay. So this what this did is so this very first one, if you can see my screen and the mouse moving, this very first one is one that they fumigated with antibiotics. Okay. So this doesn't have any. This is the fewest microbes possible on it, right? And then they then they had ones that they didn't spray with antibiotics. And you can see how there's a huge increase in terpene expression immensely compared to the controls. Almost all of these levels, uh, with the exception of trans uh, beta um, really were were hyper elevated.
0: Okay, so those those are those like trichomes or that is that what you're looking for as far as these are the
1: terpenes presentation. Is the terp the terpenes and the flavors within the trichomes.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. It's like the flavor. You know, we talk about how concentrated THC doesn't taste like a lot. Like it's right. pretty tasteless because all the all the flavor comes from terpenes. So any anything you've smelled, anything you've tasted on weed, they're all terpenes.
0: All right. Canceled. So this screen that you have at the present moment is this talking about the, again, nutrient-rich, the bionomes, is this the diversity? And then if it is a diversity, how do you create that diversity?
1: So, so you create that diversity by doing beneficial inoculations. So things like IMO inoculations, indigenous microorganism inoculations and um, probiotic products and, and things like that.
2: So you breed different microbes and add them to your system. Wow, right, you guys your are your bacteria friends, farmers. So you-
0: Right, I get that. You got to be partially bacteria farmers and create your soil. But your soil is liquid and you've got the flow that comes. Okay, so if I go to Zimbabwe with you in your mind, I mean, well, in my mind with you, come on, Kakai. Right, in my mind with you. um, A couple of questions I have. You're you're indoors with aquaponics. Do they have this access to the same materials as we do in America? I mean, I'm not trying to be condescending in any way, shape or form, but with the, the, with the fluctuation in the uh, currency, I'm just not understanding or knowing how great the uh, underground market is able to give you the supplies that you need. And, and, and if you are dealing with outside conditions, how much of the outside environment do you have to mitigate before you can grow inside using aqu- aquaponics cuz
1: uh-huh. you're just
0: talking about how the pond was affecting the grow earlier
1: oh sure yeah so so, so with so with
0: aquaponics
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> so with aquaponics we can have both terrestrial microbiomes and aquatic microbiomes and this is something uh-huh. I'm going to be talking about a lot more this year is uh, all of us are familiar with IMO collection. Um, uh, He's um, not.
0: I don't know you're using vernacular. I just need you to catch me up with the vernacular.
2: Indigenous micro, indigenous microorganisms. Right. So the stuff that's so,
0: already so the got Local you, forest, you locals,
2: local, lo- can, right? local. So we collect microbes from local soil that's producing quality plants. Correct. And we extend it
1: forest micro, so, so, uh, and then a uh, uh, plot, uh, move are lagging so out.
0: Yeah, you stored it in
1: in
0: into,
1: into now.
0: All
1: <laughs> 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 right, there you go. <laughs> we got All right, okay, we yeah, so we did a, we,
0: I don't hear nothing. Go
1: ahead. We upgraded the internet out here and it's been going in and out a little more often, but generally it's better uh than been it was. All right, so till
2: then. We're good.
1: All right. But so we need to start. Okay. We didn't hear
2: anything on indigenous microorganisms.
1: Wow. Sure. So indigenous microorganisms are locally uh local locally collected uh, soil microbes, right? So it could be everything from compost local really good compost made from just your local area, or it could be IMO collection or whatever, like whatever your inoculant, you know, whatever your chosen style is, is fine. Right. I'm not going to tell people that one is better than the other. I mean, I have my personal thoughts, but whatever works for you, you know, grow it. Right. But, um, uh, so utilizing or indigenous microorganisms and that type of stuff is something that definitely um, we're, we're expanding over a lot more and, and something I want to, to get out there a lot more, uh, especially with people like uh, over in Africa, you know, they can afford rice, sugar and milk for, you know, helping their plants grow. That's all affordable, right? That's well within their means, but they can't afford a lot of these fancy fertilizers or chemical pesticides or it's just not in their budget, man. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that kind of basic problems. They're so used to people having at least being able to get loans, farm loans, or, you know, just having access to resources that they just do not have a lot of these parts of the world having travel a lot. And um, it's definitely something that I think really is going to be game changing. But um, w- to go back to the beginning part of that conversation was that I think, you know, it's something I'm going be talking about a lot this year is aquatic IMO. I think that utilizing aquatic IMO collection is going to be as important as terrestrial IMO collection uh, so rather than just using rice to collect soil microbes uh, we'll also use it to collect those mineralizing microbes in water uh, and, and utilizing the ones because the aquatic ones about 75 plus minus percent of those will live in your soil and you want to increase your biodiversity don't you I mean we just talked about the study that that flesh that out right so let's dip into that pool it's a whole pool of microbes that, that a lot of soil growers haven't even looked at trying to dip into to increase the soil microbe biodiversity in their own grows you know that they might have imo down they might have the rest of it down they might have their own compost down but they're not hitting that resource that might be on their property their pond their lake their stream can be a huge additional source of mineralizing microbes that they're not utilizing right now it's something that i want to talk about a lot this year Going we be doing some videos on it and um, we'll be doing some, a couple different types of collections and uh, including, uh, you know, everything from a, uh, uh, you know, rice collection to sponge collection to aquatic plant uh, a mash collection, which is more of almost like a Rodale method, uh, or not a Rodale method, but almost like a pseudo Rodale method for, for collecting aquatic roots uh, and microbes off of those roots Um, in an aquatic environment uh, and and showing people how to utilize those both in aquatic and terrestrial growth. So if you're a a soil grower or an aquatic grower, so that's definitely some of the new content that I've been working on and want to help, you know, get out there because it's, you know, this other resource that's just completely untapped, but something that anybody can afford to to have access to, you know, it's not a a huge barrier of entry in terms of technology or understanding even.
0: Okay, wonderful. That was about as clear as (laughs) Okay. So my next, my next question, forgive me. So when it comes down to the gap between what microbes could be imported or that, that would be external to the grow in Zimbabwe, what, what's that gap? What's the currency gap or is it a um, material gap, distribution gap?
1: The biggest issue, the reason why we put the whole Zimbabwe grow on pause is because it's too damn hard for me to get resources to the farm. Right, that's what I, I'm. I, 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 okay. it, yeah. it comes back to I can't get pest. Uh, the, the ultimate reason is I can't get pest control agents to the farm right now. Right. right. With right. they've had these repeated, randomly declared lockdowns. I can't. What am I supposed to do if I'm on week five of flower? Right. right. Like I'm just effed. Right, like right.
0: <laughs> yes, you are correct. Right. Okay,
1: okay, that's what you do. <laughs> like, just, right. that, that,
0: that, yeah, you know, there's a
1: lot of stuff I can make organically. We talked about, uh, you know, integrate uh, IPMO, uh, which is um, indigenous predatory microorganisms, which we've talked about on the show before, and Chris Trump talked about on the show as well. Um, uh, and uh you know, things like that. But I can't solve everything. Sometimes I just need the predator that eats the thing, right? And it's Correct. not from Africa or wherever. Right. So I can get access to most of that through a couple of different big uh, operations in Africa and South Africa, I'm sorry. But um, I um I can't transport them. <laughs> I can't physically get them to the farm. And that became the huge issue. So until that thaws out a little bit and things stabilize with the global health situation, I think we're pretty much just going to kind of pause on Africa temporarily. Um, I, you know, yeah. until things out Cause you, you, even if you have that all going and you you harvest it's, you know, almost impossible to move biomass right now. It's hard to move anything sure. you know, even in a shipping container period right now, um, because of all the shit going on better yet trying to move a bunch of heavily restricted things that you need all the paperwork for, right? Like right. it took me, what was it like an extra month? marty to get those seeds into zimbabwe that would just sat at customs and they just wanted the next paper and the next paper and the next paper and the next paper and the next paper until so, you know and we did that on the u.s side and then I we did it in transit right and then we did it again when it got to zim they wanted a new set of papers and there's everybody wanted their own set of shit that they didn't tell you on when, when we sent them and even trying to do everything you know as right as we could we still got surprised and had to go grab new you know just get extra documentation over the stuff that we had and it was just a huge pain right so even when you do things right and then um yeah and then just the fact that they've again they've changed the cannabis rules six different times since i've left so it's like i don't even know honestly what the current taxation rate is right now because they've changed that three times yeah
0: yeah, that's also okay yeah that's also a little bit of just zimbabwe and just instability of the currency system
1: well and zimbabwe a lot of africa is interesting (laughs) with the currency because a lot of the currencies are digital only right so a lot of africa does not have a cash currency or if they do there's not it's not the main currency used in the country
0: True,
1: true, 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 it's, true. You know, if you true. Have, it's, it's definitely strange if you haven't been in that type of environment. It's, it's, it takes a bit to get used to uh, But, uh, and then learning how to uh, juggle your currencies so you can, you know, sometimes make a couple extra bucks too if you know how to trade up rates.
0: Correct, correct. Right, yeah.
1: right. So, or if you um, see some news coming down the pipeline, you can quick switch your currencies <laughs> or whatever.
0: Yes. My baby brother um, spent time out in Brazil and then um, on Vietnam. And so, yeah, I have a frame of reference for what it is that you're talking about. And so you are correct. I mean, it becomes an absolute hassle to deal with multiple levels of governmental organizations that are trying to CYA and not assist with any of the actual GDP (laughs) of the... (laughs) For real, for real. They're not trying to facilitate any kind of growth on the ground. And they're just basically feeding IMF and World Bank but, whores. But anyway, I'm getting off topic.
1: Well, it was pretty funny. We, we had a meeting with one of the one of the government officials there. And he's like, well, what if you did? I'll am not. I i I'll be really vague with this. I so don't get anybody in trouble. But they're like, what if you did X, Y and Z size farm like w- with the government? Like, what if we no, asked no, you to I'm do good. this size farm? And, and, and then. I said, well, at that size, it would turn like whatever it was, $1.1 billion a month or whatever it was. And it was like, right. this one farm would make as much as like half your mining industry. Like you not, I don't think you can move all this though. Like right. you could grow it, but like not, you right. crash the market, you'd be growing like 4% of the global population of CBD, like, right. you know, or some, some ridiculous, pop, you know, percentage of the global market in terms of tonnage. Like you can't, just move that instantly so there's a lot of like logistics too and then you know nobody thinks that anything grown in africa internationally is up to standard even though a lot of the times it is a lot of times these places have never been anything but organic because they can't afford to put, bring anything with chemicals so you know there's a lot of areas that really are pristine really great growing areas there's also, and this is something that I want to talk about some time on the Future Cannabis Project when we do this, we're, we're working on putting together a Zimbabwe Grow episode with Peter and, and doing a, um, a, a couple of pe- different people that have all grown in Zimbabwe, myself included, um, and, and talk about, you know, growing in Africa and stuff like that. And, um, and this is something that I noticed big time in Zimbabwe was the fact that um, Syngenta has a stranglehold on their entire agriculture industry they they are 95 to 98% of the agricultural products are brought in by Syngenta, uh, also known as Monsanto. So um, their, their, their current name is Syngenta, but it's Monsanto, no, it's Syngenta small. slash Monsanto, same thing. Um, and uh, so you have all, you know, they've been giving people their pest management plans and the NGOs and these, uh, you know, aid groups fund these, you know, Syngentas, to go in and give them seed, give them pesticides, give them heavy metal laden fertilizers that prevent those growers from ever allowing that space to be used for cannabis because the bioaccumulation of the pesticides and the heavy metals, because this is the stuff that they were given for free or the government was given and donated or paid for by the US government or whoever, Europe or UN or whatever that trying to feed these people, especially during the post-Rhodesian days and during uh, uh, during the civil war that happened, uh, uh they are you know they don't call it a civil war but um uh during the uh, the hard times they had in the last 20 years um uh, you know they, it's been um I mean, the ground's been poisoned in a lot of places and also remember a lot of these were tobacco farms and they spread all kinds of i mean let's just to give you an example i can buy a bottle of paraquat in zimbabwe which is insane you know, that's been pulled from the U.S. market for quite a long time. So you also have like um this is something else I'll never forget till the day I die and then it creeped me out because it, it actually happened in Lebanon later uh last year was uh, walking in and then seeing literally like a hundred by two hundred foot square piled four pallets high of ammonium nitrate in the middle of a hardware store.
0: It's going to pop.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the biggest fire hazard
0: right, that right, you can
1: right. think of all in one place what? in the center of the store in the middle of downtown Harari, and you're just like, yeah, no, I don't yeah. want to be anywhere near this building if there's ever a fire in this neighborhood. Oh. <laughs> like, anywhere, anywhere. Yeah.
0: anywhere, any direction. Anywhere. Yeah, but literally like oh. just
1: seeing like multiple tractor trailer loads just all in one giant pile. <laughs> All in 50 pound bags, you know, just insanity, like just crazy stuff. So that was stuff that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, but we went around to like all the different pet. I remember we, we hit every single pest control place in Ferrari trying to find anything that we could use really. And we ended up just saying screw it and buying everything through South Africa because there literally is not any control agents in this, the whole country that's legally registered at least anywhere publicly for sale that I could find that was legally allowed to be used in the United States or Europe for for cannabis production. So it was just, you know, we're gonna stick to those standards. I don't care if I'm over there, we're growing healthy stuff, right? We're doing it for export anyway. Um, Uh, So,
0: okay. So I got a question now, unless you got somebody from the chat. All right, so I'd like to switch and I'm from Alaska. If I go to the... um, Southeast, yeah, no, Southwest, I'm sorry, Southwest. As climate change occurs, we are anticipating, and I'm serious, we're anticipating uh, a more temperate zone in the subarctic around the 61st latitude. That means the Southeast should dry up. We've got 10,000 generations of observation of salmon bones that are in that area. So that means it's phosphorus rich, okay? If we wanted to develop that area terrestrial, like I love how you were saying that, would that what what would we need to shift in? Because it would be phosphorus rich, but it won't. I mean, it'll be like dominantly on that and what calcium, wouldn't it? I mean, tell me so, what would so we would need how, to add or shift in order to try and make that into. So there's a,
1: there's really good documentation on nutrient transport in that particular exact environment i know i've seen pretty cool and envi- uh charts on how the, a lot of those nutrients are being brought from the rivers by the salmon by the yes. uh, and then the nitrogen yeah. and phosphorus taken up the hill and yes. deposited, and, and then the trees is accumulating it yes bring it in the in and then the bring it back, back down yeah and then it will rain brings it back down yep yeah? so yeah. um uh, 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 yeah, that, that's, and there's a you new, know, there's, I mean, they've done radioactive tracing all the way up to the ocean from, you know, hundreds of miles inland with, with that stuff and, and traced every single thing out. And there's multiple studies that have done that now um, that you can find online. Uh, I don't know any off the top of my head, but
0: no, no, no. I, I, I have a couple of friends who are scientists. I can get access to all that. So then the other question is, is, well, I mean, will, will we be able to like just scoop that up and be able to utilize that? Or I mean, w- or what, what do you do?
1: Well, I mean, you would just maintain it like in a proper living soil, and you know, maybe set up hugel beds or you know, just do a more traditional organic, you know, long-term soil stability type thing. Okay. You know, figure out grow, grow um, bioaccumulators in your area that are going to be you know, able to supplement what the plants are pulling uh, to provide okay. that back. hugel culture, those beds I was
2: telling you about, where you you dig down and you put the wood material right. underneath, so it'll soak up water, rainwater. So eventually, over time if you get enough rainwater in your area, they'll, they'll water themselves almost year-round. Okay. So you they're, they're very water efficient because you use all that wood mass um, that starts breaking down. You use, that wood mass breaks down into lots of uh, potassium and then also gives you fungal spores, all kinds of good stuff, but also it becomes very spongy and will soak up a ton of water and the plants grow down through the soil and soak up the water out of the wet Okay, so once
0: we lay down the logs, what do we layer it
2: with? Oh yeah, so you dig down and then you lay, usually you layer uh, your wood on the bottom, right? And then you put soil over the top of it and then cover, the make leaves, like a mound.
1: Leaves, sticks and, and twigs and then put your soil on top, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, so you start with your larger mass stuff, so like leaf litter um, sticks, smaller sticks and stuff like that. And then eventually you build up to soil and then you want to cover the whole, you make like a mound so you want to round it rounded on top and then uh, uh, cover the whole surface area with straw um, to help uh, keep it, evaporation from happening so by having the straw covering the whole top you'll like any sunlight and anything keeps it all keeps the soil very sealed i guess on top so it's not evaporating as much and will um, stay wet
1: and, and it, so it, it grows it grows a lot of fungal networks inside of that core as well and that helps store a lot of the water especially in longer term you know the the biomass of that mushrooms can be tapped and exchanged for water by the plants uh, very readily so it holds that water up by the surface.
2: My friend Cody I, I don't think you've met him yet but he has a couple of huge beds that this year uh, is their third year in place and he didn't water them at all and grew vegetables and had, like all kinds of stuff out of them and all, a, you, all you do is plant them and they just grow year-round
1: we had a question in chat it goes i've been around, using aquatic but, aquatic snails for biofilm and algae control also to provide feed to the fish turns out they're carriers of liver flukes yes they are carriers of liver flukes they can also depending on what country you're in also be like when i was in zimbabwe and africa south africa they can be carriers of schistomiasis they can be carriers of uh, uh, a couple of the different nasties so generally we try to eliminate snails now if you need to eliminate snails you can use um you know copper sulfate and give your plants a little extra copper than normal um you know but still below fish threshold depending on their species it's one option uh alternatively which is not a great option but it's an option as a a last resort Um, your other great option is uh, you can use what they call planarian killer uh, or fluke killer Um, it's made from beetle nut extract the same uh, stuff that the guys um the, in Southeast Asia, get all, you know, crackhead on and, and wear their teeth out and get all black, black teeth and shit. Um, that same exact tree um, is very fish safe. In fact, it's so uh, safe for most things that you can use, utilize it at the right dosage with shrimp, coral, anemones, and other incredibly sensitive organisms. Um, it just kills um, those, uh, you know, nematodes. It's a nemicide. Right. So um, you can utilize it to kill off just those. But again, you got to be real careful with what you use it with. It kills some things, it doesn't kill others. But most things that aren't just completely soft bodied, uh, it, it won't kill. Um, but there are a few exceptions. So do your research. But uh, in aquaponics, it's something that you can utilize that's not going to, you know, screw with your plants or screw up your cycle or, you know, provide anything that's going to be, you know, a type of danger to humans. Um, you know, uh, in terms of bioaccumulation, it, it's not very active very long in the water to begin with, so it breaks down very rapidly and and you know goes away pretty quick.
2: Yeah, um, that uh, pyramid pure foods in the in the chat there. He actually uh, sold me my first set of barrels, which I still have, by the way, uh, for when I built a bigger aquaponic system. And he's he's had the, the local aquaponics grow here uh, for a while. So shout out to Drew. Thanks for showing up and chatting in, buddy.
1: Nice. Uh, uh, American once has done some grill growing, did it great. And we're botrytis resistant. Yeah. Botrytis is definitely a big issue. We're seeing just an ungodly amount in Oklahoma, but people just not used to the grow conditions here. All right. Um, just looking for other questions here in chat do you have have another uh, question at the moment while i'm reading here can't get beneficial insects in oklahoma doa Uh, i haven't had that issue we've had really good luck with um uh, arbico organics i've also had good luck with biobi uh and with um there's another one who's the other uh, rupert or coopert cooper i've had good luck with cooper as well in oklahoma so but uh arbico organic seems to be the best especially if we're doing any kind of larger order they're they're usually overnight them
2: Uh, all the ones that require overnight they are they make you ship overnight so um you know they, they won't let you kill your bugs on purpose that's one of the things i like about arbico is that you know you can't select ground shipping for something that needs overnight where it's going to die and they always get shipped with like a cold pack usually is what it is and so basically if your shipping takes longer than that cold pack and stay cold then odds oh, are you're, you're going to end up with some dead bugs instead of live ones by the time you get there maybe not beneficial nematodes but you know any of your live like predators for sure they require being overnight
1: Uh sorry I was scrolling through I'm trying to find some other question. um alright well does anybody have any other questions in the chat when we're going uh, I guess I had kind of a, an off kilter episode today my whole day has been pretty wacky so this whole week has been wacky uh, yesterday was quite the circus to watch for sure no, I
2: was just going to give a compliment
0: I mean yeah. I think I just learned a whole lot so thank y'all <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was going to say on that front And I'm greatly impressed by the work that you're doing um, internationally, Um, and and, and I greatly appreciate that because when it comes down to real cultivation of economy that works at the local level, anything that isn't at the ground doesn't benefit the immediate people. It gets gets filtered in by the bureaucratic hands or the corruption hands or greasing, you know, you already know. Um, So I greatly appreciate you actually being able to take care of people where they are and um, inspiring change in a way that I dream of, but I don't have the reach to do. Um, Also, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, (laughs) correct. Correct. Yeah. Because I do dream of NGO and that becomes, I mean, a very functional way of. Tapping into international markets. Herb is a very functional way of providing a cash crop that gives people a pathway to freedom. So, and mental, that, health. And, huh? and mental health. True. Well, and all health. the benefits that come with growing mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yes,
2: you've got the. Well, um, and paying your bills is mental health too. We were just talking about that the other day, too. Right? <laughs> your bills are paid. That helps. True, you feel better. True. And having resources oh, to be able to dream with. Before I forget, I want to give these guys a shout out. This is one the new thing I got, which I really like using in the garden. It's just these uh, cool little uh, Yeah, You got to put them up for the camera. Yeah, so I'm going to. In in oh. <laughs> so it's a face mask. You can use it as a face mask, or what I like to use it in the garden floor is more uh, like a tool for my long hair, keeps out of my face, and uh, so it's super easy. Slides on, they're real cheap. They're handmade out of I forget where they're out of. The place is called Pings Apparel, so you can check them out online at Pings Apparel Instagram. I forget where she's from. I apologize, but uh, most of the stuff, her products, she donates a lot of it to. Um, Uh, different real people with real issues which is great no fake charities you know um and they're they're great super soft it's the thin micron so you can use them as a legit face mask um and then this is what i like to you know use it for in the garden especially doing clones or moving stuff around it just keeps all my hair out of my face so if you've got long hair definitely check them out at at things apparel
1: cool stuff also uh Shout out Future Cannabis Project 2, FC, Was it, FCP2, I think is the YouTube channel. Uh, Just did the uh, show with them on um, talking about South Africa and African growing. We're going to do one just on Zim soon. Uh, And then um, also shout out to Jordan at the um, Growcast. We just did an episode with him. You just released that on Monday. Uh, So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, It's a great episode. Uh, I believe it's their most recent episode over there. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Marty and I were both on that episode. Uh, I don't think we've done a third-party... Jo- oh, no. We did uh, our Embracing Organics. I think it's the only other joint. Uh...
2: Yeah, we did Embracing Organics, and we did Dude Grow Show.
1: Oh, yeah. We both oh, wait, maybe grew. we did it separately. I
2: think we, yeah, we did it separately, did, yeah. We did it separately, though. That's right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. All of are cool dudes. Check out all their channels. That's definitely cool. Yeah. Oh, and uh, I just started my LED grow off, so I have my... Um, uh, Bloom Plus uh, provided me with a BP3000, uh, which has been a great light, and had it up not too long yet, uh, almost two weeks. Uh, and so I have pictures going up to the Aquaponics Facebook growers group and video updates to my YouTube uh, on that one, and also the Mars Hydro SP150, uh, which is 150 watt light. And hope to be getting in a couple of other models of LEDs. Um, so you can check that out. So, um, and shout out to both Mars Hydro and Bloom Plus who were uh, incredibly flexible with being patient as we dealt with uh, fires and COVID and all kinds of other shit. Uh, they were very patient <laughs> for me to get this grow off going. Uh, and I appreciate it. And there are two other vendors that are, are trying to get lights to me and are just struggling also because of the exact same COVID issues. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get them on soon. Will be in perpetual flower from here on out. So we'll just be able, when we get them, we'll throw them up just like I did this time. I, you know, there's no place in my growing room where I can put up a new light that's not over an existing plant. So <laughs> they are finishing up some plants that are in there right now. Um, and I also put new plants in right next to those. So those are starting flower now. And we'll get to see multiple cycles under these lights, not, not just this one. So there's a little confusion in the Facebook group uh, about <laughs> why they were. You know, switched out partway through. I just don't have room. There's nowhere I can put a light that's not over a (laughs) plant at this point. So uh, that's why they're finishing up uh, the ones that are there now. But that uh, that grow off is starting. Shout out to both of those companies. Um, Check those out if you're interested in LEDs. Um, uh, It's obviously a hot topic as of late. So um, we'll be getting more LEDs out to test.
1: Especially with California requiring LEDs for all grows now as of january 1st we warned so, you a long time ago yeah. we, we told you it coming it. like three years ago well, i think we talked about it on the podcast so um so we had another question in chat is uh <laughs> Pomponics. is firing time optimization a thing i've heard lowering firing times to increase phenotypic diversity dj short but what about it increasing time uh so I have seen and personally experienced uh, mainly with color and then like increasing some of the unique terps, uh, doing things under, you know, an 11 or 11 and a half hour instead of a 12 or even starting at 12 and decreasing down to like a 10 and a half at the end of flower and just taking, you know, a minute or two off each day um, is also, you know, something else that certain strains, especially if you wanted to finish the fuck up, you know, with strains that just take too damn long. Um, is a great way to help speed them the hell up. You know, they think the day is getting shorter. They start, you know, the plant starts to say, all right, well, we gonna going to get this moving then. Um, and it definitely helps, you know, increase the and shorten the times on them a little bit. But, you know, I, there's people that are far smarter than I am that have done breakdowns on this. I think uh, Shango or Kevin Jodry, one of the two of them did a long talk about the, I know, I don't remember which two. Some of these conferences kind of all blur together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says if he hits his bong aid once. <laughs> Last year, I think I did night. What was it? Twenty nineteen. I did like, was it twenty? Yeah, twenty nineteen. I had done like nineteen shows by four twenty or some shit or twenty. Wow. Yeah. Are you going through like convention withdrawal? Like do you feel like you
2: need? Yeah. To like I've been movies? sitting at
1: home far too long, and yeah, no. I actually have. Uh, a whole bunch of <laughs> conferences that if they actually do them, I will be speaking at across the South this year uh, and uh, a couple of, and internationally again, if they happen, um, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm very much personally think, I think this year is going to be not too much different than last year. I think they're going to keep having these new strains that are going to keep screwing shit up, but hopefully I'm wrong. Right. So. No, I,
0: I don't think so. <laughs> especially with the
1: way things have gone with with britain and south africa lately i think it's it's no bueno but uh uh yeah so um i guess that would be my thing is that you know what experiment with it but i you know i I don't think that the yield difference and the potency difference really is all that different um the biggest difference i would say to, to do change up your times would be to uh speed up those longer flowering times um the other one that i would uh also um, suggest, and this is something that I'm real curious on. I've seen some people talk about trying to do this, and it's something that there's a few old-school articles. I know I remember first read read about this on Overgrow. Uh, if you guys remember, Overgrow uh, is doing um, like an 18-hour day and then a 12-hour night, like giving them 12 or 14 hours of nighttime, but real long days too. So pushing the days real long and the nights real long, and and you know seeing what type of growth that does. And, I haven't seen any type of conclusive there's a bunch of anecdotal stuff and and old stuff but I haven't seen anyone actually do that with you know heavy documentation if someone knows of one uh, please post in the comments Um, uh, it'd be great the other way I've shortened days before and and I
2: still do that in sort of I guess in my in my bedroom right and just interrupt the night cycle you know with an hour of light and and then turn it back off which is similar but um you you all like you're talking about doing shorter days like 20 hour days as opposed to 24 hour days um what do they call it like the gas lantern schedule or something like that um and i've ran um i've ran 11 hour uh, i've ran 11 13 so i've ran 11 hour light and 13 hours dark before and I, it seems to be better for um like indica dominant strains in my opinion like they seem to, to like a little bit shorter days um so I did my last run that way I went back to 12 hours this time and I feel like the last run was better so I'm going to switch back to I already switched back to 11 hours for the finish this time
0: hmm. wow
2: so less light. So I think that probably depends on somewhat on your lighting source. Like if you have a weaker light, you know, it's not putting out as much uh, power then a longer day might be more beneficial. You might need longer than the 12 hours to get the total amount that you need in a daytime. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we had another question. What is the best, hold on, where is it? Uh, i gotta get a grow room monitor with co2 sensor any suggestions uh, and then well somebody else in chat said pulse pro um, that's probably i guess the easiest off-the-shelf one that i would recommend i think marty has got a lot of experience in the uh, the automation field in fact you, you talked about it quite a bit in the past do you want to you have a better suggestion i don't have
2: a better one that's probably the common one um that you'll see pop up a lot uh you'll find them in in a lot of the integrated controllers usually if you're doing co2 you should probably also be doing other environmental stuff. So, you know, having ones that are uh, integrated are my preference instead of separate sensors for each one. But some of those get expensive. So it just kind of depends on like if you want just a CO two monitor, then that's you know that's probably what I would go with. But there are um, there are definitely ones that uh, you can get where they'll um, there'll be a whole panel of things, so you'll be able to do. You know, CO2, temperature, humidity, all kinds of environmental controls specifically for growing. So you can look at those more integrated ones if you're on a larger scale. But like if you already have stuff, like if you're a lot of times, if you're just growing into needing CO2, you might already have solutions for temperature and humidity and stuff. And you're trying to add CO2 on. So that would be a great add on Mm -hmm. to just add CO2 on by itself. That makes sense. And there's Wi-Fi uh, based modules as well, so that you can have, you know, integrated software that track them. So like, for I don't do CO2, so I, I'm not tracking it or measuring it here. But for my other environmental stuff, I have a weather station that I just put the sensors inside and then use their software to track the data 24/7. So I can go to any point in time. Yeah, and say okay last Tuesday at uh, four o'clock in the afternoon this was the temperature and humidity in the grow room and then I have software that that looks at those logs and decides when to turn on my fans my input or my exhaust fans that control the humidity and then you can get more complicated than that if you want to do like scheduling and stuff once you get into the programming realm like you can say oh well I want it to be I want the exhaust fan to kick on if the humidity goes over uh, 80% or uh, over 90 degrees in temperature. So you can have multiple conditions control the same fan if you have it in in a software-controlled environment versus those things controlled individually. It can be more problematic to wire them up a lot of people just have to hire a professional to do all of that whereas if you in the software world you can control it with the software you can have you can have the same sensor or sensors uh, control the same fan so it's just kind of nice oh you can make them smart too like i can tell uh, I can tell my Google home or my smartphone I it can be like, hey, Google, turn on the flower room exhaust fan and it'll kick on. Someone that says, might be overboard. I don't know.
0: Man, That's 21st century flash Gordon stuff,
2: man.
1: Someone says don't forget to get your mask for your plants if you're in Cali.
0: <laughs> Cali.
2: Get a mask for their plant.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing masks. I'm just saying, Cali has gone a little draconian, a little. Um, Here we go. Somebody said
2: that the only hope for Cali to get rid of COVID is for that big earthquake to finally hit and they all fall in the
1: ocean.
0: Damn!
1: (laughs) I didn't say that. Marty did. Send your, send your (laughs) email to uh, apmeds (laughs) at gmail.
2: I mean, what's it, like one in five now? Right. It is bang. Well,
1: actually, the worst one is actually uh, in terms of potential is the Cascadian, so, oh, which is up in Washington and Seattle. That's the one that, when it goes, would be the biggest one. But, well, anyways. That,
2: that's not as funny, though. <laughs>
0: I'm just still just as terrifying.
2: I'm just yeah. still just as terrifying. <laughs> well, um, I have to go put my daughter to bed, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with Kokai. You guys can, can close it out. Okay. Do you want to tell everybody
1: how to find you? We're about to wrap up the show anyway.
2: Yeah, you can find me at AP Meds on Instagram, on uh, YouTube. Uh, you can find me in the Aquatic Cannabis Growers group on Facebook and uh, Patreon at AP Meds. All of, all of those social medias.
1: Um, and then uh, you've also been cannabis. doing a lot of uh, uploading work on the class too, right? To That's right
2: all the way through day one on the class, which is like, uh, you know, eight plus hours of content. Um, I don't even know how many slides, um, but so day w- day one of three is complete and we'll be going through day two, We're about halfway through editing day two um, and getting those uploaded. So uh, looking forward to doing that. So shout out to everybody on Teachable. We appreciate all that and your patience as we get all of that uploaded and complete. It is just a lot to get going. So, um, you know, as we've been talking about (laughs) for, I think we took us uh, about a year to like get it all filmed and together and get our schedules to line up and everything else. So it's a lot in the making and there's a lot there, but we're just trying to get it all up there. And then we can start on the, on the new content. We're going to start doing the whiteboard sessions and, um, start focusing on some of the stuff to develop and and put up all the stuff that we're doing in between now. There's even new stuff since we filmed it in the beginning of last year. There's new stuff that we recorded over because it took us so long to get the class all together that we had new stuff to put in. So the more we put it off, the more it becomes the problem. So we're getting everything shoved up as fast as we can. And then once we get onto this format, it's going to be a lot easier to pace it and just make content as we go and just kind of stay on teachable for our main platform. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, moving on.
1: Yeah, we're going to, we're going to be able to put a ton of content. We have, we'll be going to be doing this one. Then we'll do the um, advanced aquaponics class and then we'll do the uh, medicinal herb class after that in terms of getting the content up. We have a, a ton of, um, of education in the pipeline for 2021 basically stuff for the whole rest of the year in terms of classes and that and stuff we're going to be putting out so uh, it'll be awesome and then we're also going to be doing regular content updates for the class and we get the class um you're going to get the first uh, 600 uh, uh uh lectures that come with the base class and then we're going to be adding new, new additional lectures build outs farm tours uh, I know we're going to be doing a tour of um, Vertica soon. Uh, they, their stuff is, is really on point up there. We're going to be doing a tour of their grow uh, and a couple of others um, uh, in the area and a couple of others internationally. And then also across the country, we're going to be doing some cool filming uh, and some neat stuff that we are going to be working on. So um, definitely something to check out in the future and um, uh, something to be looking for for this year. You know, we have a ton of content lined up for you guys and uh we're really excited to do i know i've been editing up the last of day two of the conference we'll be releasing those out on wednesdays Uh, and then after that we'll be doing some new series we have uh i know i have a couple of different smaller aquaponics systems and we're going to be building some some home depot style aquaponics systems and some other stuff for the house uh here and just trying to show people you know some tinier systems i get tons of questions about them and uh, while it's not my favorite cup of tea um y'all keep asking about Mm. it so we're going to grow some. So. That's what we'll be doing. So um, thanks a lot for watching. You can find me at Potemotics. Um Thanks for joining us today, buddy. Uh, you throw, Thank you, uh, uh Do you do any uh, public uh, media stuff or not really?
0: <laughs> yeah, the last thing I was in was called USA Today, and there were on 1.39 million copies distributed across 50 states. So, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> nice. Peace.
1: All right. Well, uh, if you have anything you want to plug, feel free. If not... uh, Oh,
0: okay, yeah. So when it comes down to that, then it would be the Ashland BPAC Sanctuary, which is um, a community that's forming in order to fortify uh, people in Southern Oregon, uh, as well as allow a solution to the tension that we're dealing with in our country at the present moment by providing a pathway towards greater humanity, those bridges and figuring out how to crack that medicine so that we don't feel as much pain as we would feel if we just tried to crash through it individual by individual It's better to do it as a group with help than not. So we use a lot of medicine within my community in order to mitigate the anxiety and depression that comes with being in an area that might be hostile to your existence at times. So it's get better. It gets better. Um, And uh, we are a... Again, like I just said, you know, a firm believer in the usage. And so I am very impressed by what you guys have built and the way that you're able to communicate to a variety of persons how to grow what we all want to have access to at, you know, their benefit. So thank you. Thank you. And it's nice like meeting you for the first time you're
1: like a cool ass cat <laughs> thanks it was very fun to have you on uh, and to have uh, have to explain some stuff that may you know that we're hyper used to just glossing over um uh, maybe some of the newer listeners haven't had a chance to be exposed to so it definitely helps them as well so thanks for thanks for that thank you, um, thank we, you. Had a, we had a question in chat it says what about possible phenotype expression from seed if you have striped red seeds and solid blue seeds you could end up with striped solid and dappled purple seeds um, i you know there's a lot of ridiculous stuff claimed about seeds and seed stripes seed shape seed form um, the size of the seeds as far as i can tell all of its bs um, i have giant seeds that have little plants i have little seeds that have giant plants I have dark seeds, light seeds. Now I would say white seeds are not very good. Usually those are immature, but aside from that, you know, um, that's really probably the only thing I would say about seeds, but um, it's it just almost like a microphenotypic variation that, you know, I haven't seen any evidence for any, cor- now I could be wrong on that, but I don't know I haven't seen any evidence for it, nor have I seen any correlation in my own experience. Hopefully, that answers your question. Alrighty, everyone, uh, it's getting late. Uh, I'm gonna go to bed. It's been a long friggin' day. Um, check us out at uh, Growcast. Uh, I'm not a Growcast. Well, yeah, Growcast or just some Jordan show. Sorry, I'm beat. You um, check uh, us out at Potompanic, SoundCloud, iTunes uh, Spotify, all the places, uh, or growing with fishes podcast. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we will ha- be having uh, a couple of cool people on. We got some, um, uh, biologists, some, uh, yeah, a bunch of other awesome people, uh, that are going to be coming on the show. So, um, we'll see you guys again soon.